Neighbors, the biggest event of the past week has been the surprise resignation of Steve Jobs as CEO of Apple. He has decided to stay on as chairman of the board, so he'll still be working for Apple, although a lot of people out there are treating his resignation as some kind of eulogy. In any case, we'll be talking about that subject with Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. We'll also hear from Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine, and Peter Cohen on the Angry Mac Bastards radio show on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider joining us. So maybe we should go back in history here. And I'm going to ask you here, how often has buying a failing company ever worked out in the tech industry? Well, there is one good example with Apple buying Next. Next wasn't doing very well. (laughs) But... The difference there was that Next was, there was very little left of, of Steve Jobs' company. And well, I think what you're alerting, alluding to is why would Google buy a huge company that has almost half as, what is it, 60% of the size of Google? So it's buying this huge other arm of stuff that it's not only not profitable, it's actually losing money. And it has a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with Google. So, yeah, that's a head-scratcher. The other question that is what happens with HP's PC business, who's going to buy that? <laughs> Who would want to? Well, you have to look, for example, at what IBM did. They sold off their PC division to Lenovo. So maybe there's an Asian manufacturer who would take all over HP's business and somehow make a profit. Does Lenovo make big profits? What's their story? Lenovo's actually doing pretty well. The chief executive of Lenovo kept, keeps making comments about, keeps taking digs at Apple, which is kind of odd. He made some comment about Apple, like Steve Jobs had too much of a temper and wasn't interested in the Chinese market. And it's pretty clearly obvious that Apple is interested in the Chinese market. Uh, I think Apple just passed Lenovo in, in mobile PC shipments. Lenovo was very strong in Asia. And I, they largely bought IBM's ThinkPad business. I ThinkPad is not a cheap notebook. Yeah, I mean, ThinkPad always had the reputation of being like a really, you know, high-quality, nice, well-engineered products. And Lenovo's kind of cheapened them down a little bit, but they're still pretty good notebooks. But how many other companies are there waiting to buy a huge company that, what what exactly is HP's value in, in their PC operations? It's not that it's profitable. They make a lot of PCs, but it's kind of like a GM. I mean, who would buy GM? A smaller company? They're going to take that over? It's just, it's just a whole bunch of problems in what they call their, was it, PSG, Personal Systems Group? Okay, so let's look at this very quickly here. If HP wants to sell the PC division, if nobody buys it, do they just spin it off and run it as a separate company, kind of what Motorola did with Motorola Mobility? It wasn't making money, so they spun it off, and luckily they found some way to buy them. As you say, who's going to buy HP's business, or does HP just shutter the business give that up, then who gets the spoils, Dell? Oh, they definitely can't 
shutter. I mean, that makes no sense. But yeah, they, that's basically what they did. Because, I mean, if you think about what the original Motorola did. They didn't say, hey, who wants to buy our failing Motorola phone business? Because we want to just concentrate on the stuff that makes money. They spun off two businesses and then shopped around Motorola and, you know, eventually kind of forced Google to buy it. That at least made Excuse some me, sense. Excuse me, you say forced Google to buy it. How so? So if you listen to what Google's executives and people, you know, what they were saying before the acquisition was they were threatening to sue other Android makers. You had Carl Icahn, Icahn the um, investor, making comments about what they were going to do. You're saying here, rather than force that to happen, they decided to buy them as a defensive measure? Well, Google keeps saying that they bought Motorola for their patents, and, and people keep talking about how Motorola Mobility had like 19,000 patents. It's actually 17,000 and some odd, plus 7,000 pending. And someone once figured, and I quoted the figures, that if you counted 24,000 patents against a sale of $12.5 billion, it's over $500,000 a patent. But the thing is, it's, it's not even that. There was a, a couple of reports of people saying, you know, people who know patents and, and going through them and trying to find value, they, they're talking about 18 patents in their entire portfolio that have some relevance to the smartphone industry. So now you're talking about, you know, each of those patents being worth like $700 million. So, yeah, I don't think Google just bought it for patents. I mean, they kind of, they, Google keeps saying... They're doing that Microsoft Zoom thing where half of their mouth they're saying we're you know we're we're going after Apple and the other half of their mouth saying this isn't going to have no impact on Blaze for sure partners <laughs> as if as if you can just wish the market would hold up like the Red Sea so you can walk through the middle of it it's really bizarre I mean Google is making comments saying oh we're not doing this to compete against our Android licensees and they lined up all their licensees and put a gun to their head and had them recite off this thing that we're we're glad Google did this because it's protecting Android. Clearly ridiculous. On the other side, Google's talking about how they have all these synergies with Motorola. Let's look at Motorola Mobility's product line. They have, of course, mobile phones, regular handsets, smartphones. They have a navigation system called MotoNav. They also have Bluetooth headsets, which are quite good, by the way. They have two-way radios still, cordless phones, something called home digital video, which really is the set-top boxes that some cable providers have, DSL modems and gateways, cable modems and gateways, and a Motorola surfboard modem happens to be one of the best cable modems out there, home networking, like a Linksys, you know, uh, for a router, something like that, and surprisingly enough, Timbuktu, which is that aged remote access software for Mac and PC. They bought it somewhere along the line. The point being that Maybe two-thirds of their product line that I'm reading to you off their categories, I'm not specifying sales for each, two-thirds of them have nothing to do with smartphones. Well, yeah, I mean, Motorola is a, has been around for a long time. and a Also lot of, baby monitors, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have a lot that are a radio company. They make a lot of devices. They, they also have a lot of networking stuff. I mean, some of the products you mentioned were they have routers and base stations, and, and they make an awful lot of cable modems and set-top boxes. And so a lot of pundits jumped on this and said, oh, Google TV, Apple, Google's going to get in there and they're going to create some co-product and they're going to have just wide distribution. That is completely ridiculous because if you look at the products that Microsoft sells, I mean, I mean Motorola, they sell modems to people who get cable internet where you just plug this thing in and you don't think about it again. Remember, when you get a cable modem, you have to have it provisioned. 
Yeah, you, you plug in, and, and it's not something that people buy. It's not something people use. It's, right, because what in. you have to do basically is you plug it in, and then you call your cable provider and give yeah. them and you the serial number and the network hardware address. They will provision it manually. It's not plug-and-play. It never is. Yeah, and then there also the the TiVo-type set-top boxes that Motorola delivers a lot of those to cable providers. So in both cases, it's a cable provider giving you this rental hardware or sometimes you have to pay for it or whatever. But that is the opposite of what Google was aiming for with Google TV. I mean, Google TV was supposed to be this device that, you know, if you have some sort of Internet service, you could cut out having to pay for cable and get your shows over the over the web, basically. So you tap into all these websites that were offering, you know, like Hulu-type sites that were offering to play TV, and you could just kind of scrounge all the content. And Google was searching, helping you find it, and helping you find product, time listings and stuff like that. It was totally an affront to the cable systems and to the broadcasters because Google was basically putting its ads next to their content. That's what Google does with everything. I mean, they went to the newspapers and scraped up all their data and put it on Google News. So you can go to Google News and get all the news from the newspapers without actually going to the, you know, really going to their site and benefiting them at all. And some of those newspaper publishers fought. Yeah, so so everyone who sells content is now saying, hey, well, we don't produce this content, so you can put your ads next to it. And they're all pulling back. So all these companies, you know, Fox and all these companies that were putting their stuff on the web for free are now kind of pulling back from those efforts because they're seeing, you know, companies like particularly Google trying to take advantage of that to use their content for free. And so Google TV fell flat. I mean, I'll tell you, let me tell you about that in a moment. Because it wasn't a good product. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Here are two things IT professionals and their clients have in common. They want the job done right. They want it done fast. That's why I highly recommend go to Assist Express by Citrix to anyone in IT. It puts clients at ease with its simple and secure remote support and puts you in a position to do what you do best, access, diagnose, and resolve. Try Go to Assist Express free for 30 days. Visit gotoassist.com slash podcast to see how you can deliver live tech support to anyone. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. 
Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver, that's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338, utopiasilver.com, taking back America's health care one American at a time. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com Daniel Aaron Dilger from Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. And we're looking over the curious state of the tech industry, the mergers, acquisitions, and the failures. So we have Google TV. Now, there was a product called the Logitech Review. As I recall, it was $3.99. Kind of like Web TV. Where'd Web TV go? Well, it failed, too. So what happens? This <laughs> creates a trend. What does Logitech do? Logitech is losing money because of that product, so they reduce the price to $99 to get rid of them. Didn't work. So, again, where's the synergy here? Why do you want to produce products that nobody buys? We understand the Android phones are selling, but then we have another problem with that is that if Google is making Motorola Mobility They're first among equals to build Android phones. What happens to HTC? What happens to Samsung and all these other companies? 
I mean, the whole fantasy that Google is going to somehow influence Motorola to be making successful Google TVs. The problem with that is that everything that, that Motorola has in the cable space is kind of beholden to the cable companies already. So there's no way for Google to make the product that they envisioned with Motorola in any sort of kind of synergistic sort of way. So, But yeah, and the, and the other problem they have is the only real area they have for working together is a direct competitive blow to everyone else that they work with. I mean, if, if they work with Motorola to make a, a better tablet, a better Zoom, better Droid-type smartphones, then Motorola is the third largest, I believe, second or third largest Android licensee. So you have companies that are actually successful at selling Android phones, Samsung and HTC, are now competing against Google. That's not a recipe for success. And there, there's talk that they're looking for ways to get out of that. I mean, there's yeah. a report that the head of Samsung is saying they should produce their Bada operating system. Is it? What's that? Well, they launched Bada last year. Okay. And it appeared to be something that they're working on when they started to lose confidence in Windows Mobile, kind of at the same time as Android. And they launched Bada, I think, the summer of 2010. Or I think it was, I can't remember exactly when they launched it, but it was kind of at the same time as Windows Phone 7. And it actually did better than Windows Phone 7. I mean, Samsung's Bada phones sold better than Windows phones on everybody else. What do we know about Bada in terms of an operating system? How is it similar or different than Android? Well, it's not really designed to to be something that works everywhere. It was really Samsung's attempt to develop software that could power lower-end phones. So it's kind of a low-end thing that allows you to run apps on simpler phones. So you can think of it kind of like kind of like Nokia's, what is it, S60 or S40? I can't remember anymore. Basically, the regular feature phones, the cheap feature phones, the ones you get free with your two-year contract. You don't want to go to smartphones. You just want something that can place and receive phone calls, keep a basic contact list. That's the feature phone. Well, yeah, I mean... For some reason, the, the phone com- phone industry has referred to phones as feature phones or smartphones. And, and the differentiating feature of smartphones is that you can kind of run applications. But there's a lot of phones from, for example, LG makes a lot of them. And Samsung has, has made some. The, the regular phones that are fairly cheap don't run a recognizable operating system. They call them embedded whatever. So they're running Linux or they're running some custom thing that works a certain way, and it has kind of all the apps built into it. Everything that it does is kind of there already. And that's kind of the way everything was, except for a few smartphones on top that were running something identifiable, such as Windows Mobile or Palm or Symbian or something like that. And now the line is kind of blurring between what a feature phone is and what a smartphone is, because things like Bada allow allow Samsung to deliver phones that are pretty high-end that can run apps just like an Android phone. And and really, customers don't know the difference. They get a phone. It's like, does this do what I want it to do? They don't think Android. You know, Android is not a brand that people recognize. Yeah, if you're a power user, you listen to this show, you know what Android is. You know what iOS is. But I think if you polled the people who bought iPhones and said, what operating system does it use? And they're not going to know or care. Well, people see a difference in Apple stuff. And I think... Daniel, they see it on the practical level of usability. They don't look at the fine print, the stuff that we talk about here. They don't see iOS, Android OS. They just see a phone that does something. Right. Well, anyway, this Bada operating system is, is running a series of Wave phones that are kind of similar to the Galaxy phones. So they're kind of similar to what Samsung is making. The Galaxy phones are have launched better than the Bada phones. 
but part of that is because they're heavily leveraging. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're they're. Com- Samsung's Galaxy line is pretty much a complete ripoff of everything Apple does. So they have the iPod Touch, they have a you know alternative iPad, they have a lot of iPhone type devices. But I mean, from the packaging to every bit of Chrome on the device, it just looks as much like an Apple phone as it could possibly be. You know, it's kind of, you think about imitation with a Korean company, and I don't want to be specific to a particular nation, but take a look at the auto manufacturer Hyundai, which has been trying to kind of step out from the crowd. But you have Honda and you have Hyundai, the Japanese company's Honda. Hyundai has the same logo except it's on a slant because it's a letter H. Hyundai borrows styling cues from other companies, like their latest Sonata, stealing a few ideas from the Mercedes-Benz CLS. Take a look. You'll see what I mean. So, you know, it's not unusual for companies to borrow from other companies in terms of design, but I don't see automakers strictly suing other automakers for that. You don't always see that with automakers because the theft is always subtle. But with smartphones, you know gets to be a totally different ball of wax there. Well, there's there's two things that Apple is suing for right now. One is for patent infringement. So they're saying that, you know, they protected this idea or, or you know, whatever. A lot of those things are technical in how something works on a on a low level that consumers probably wouldn't even notice, for example. That's kind of like the typical patent cases that are going on all the time. The second thing is Apple is fighting in in certain jurisdictions that that protect the rights of Design. So the case in Germany was 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 all about design, and that case alludes to other cases that are kind of related to the same market, where you have a very well known kind of luxury brand always attracts knockoffs. So people don't copy Timex; they copy Rolex. But there's some cases. I mean, there's always going to be you're always going to be copying the leader but when you start copying it to the point where you're clearly trying to suggest that your product is the same as from the same company or even just equivalent if you if you suggest if you come into a car maker you know if Hyundai came out with a, a car that looked exactly like a BMW just exactly like as close as you could come in another factory and started selling it with a logo that was like, you know, BMX or something, you know, something that was just as close as possible and packaged it the same and had advertisements that were the same and, and took pictures of the product that were exactly the same to the point where it was confusing the market to the point where people weren't even sure if is this from the same company or perhaps these must be identical products. The problem with that is not only does it kind of unfairly give advantage to the person who's copying, it also pulls down the original and that's we'll go into the originality and why they can't seem to come up with an original product. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. I've said it once, I'll say it again. You gotta back up. You gotta back up regularly. And the Carbonite Online Backup protects your pictures and your other files on your Mac or PC by automatically backing them up whenever you're online. 
when you have your inevitable disaster, a crash, theft, a virus on the PC side, Carbonite makes it easy to get your backed up files back with just a few clicks. With Carbonite, you neighbors can access your backed up files privately from any computer or on your smartphone or iPad. Yes, your iPhone, your Android device, all with a free app. An unlimited backup program for your Mac or PC with anytime, anywhere access is only $59 a year. Start your free 15-day trial at Carbonite.com. Use the offer code TPN and get two free months if you decide to buy at Carbonite.com. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Fem Plex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 caps, summer sale priced at only $12. Colon Enhancer 250 caps, summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted down reactors in Fukushima, Japan, and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water, and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S., unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins and heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live. 
with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Okay, we have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live, and we're focusing on what has happened in the tech industry, kind of a shakeout involving smartphones and tablets and even PCs. And we were going into the look and feel lawsuits of Apple against Samsung, and there was an accusation that came out, I don't know, not too long ago, suggesting here that Apple had distorted the aspect ratio, the horizontal vertical, of their pictures showing infringement of the products from Samsung. What was that about? There's a guy that writes for IDC, which is a company that makes Computer World and Macworld and everything. He, he's writing for the Dutch version of their magazine, and he wrote this expose about uh, Apple's complaint, and he pulled one of the pictures out, and it appears that two pictures, uh, it's like stock photography of the Galaxy Tab, that they put them in a grid and it it looks like it resized it so that it wasn't exactly the same aspect ratio as it is in all the other pictures. And so he was trying to build this case saying that Apple forged document, you know, they distorted this evidence to make, to fool the court, which is absolutely absurd. Because if you actually look at the complaint, there's dozens of pictures. There's like a couple dozen photos of the thing. And the court wasn't deciding based on those photos. They were handling the actual devices. So he was really trying to create a false impression that Apple was lying about something when his actual report is a lie. Because if you look at the case and the only thing that springs out is that the, in one picture, there's the Galaxy Tab looks more like the iPad than it actually does in real life. You are looking for evidence to support party that's obviously in the wrong here. Because if you look at the complaint, it's just like, there's a lot of cases where you can say, okay, so Apple's pushing a, a complaint that's kind of silly. But in this one, it's like so obvious that Samsung is ripping off its partner. I mean, it makes the components for Apple. Apple's a huge customer of Samsung, and Samsung is just shamelessly ripping off its products. Not sort of like, I mean, they're just as identical as one can be without, you know, actually taking the blueprints. To, so to suggest that Apple was like fudging document evidence to the court is just completely irresponsible. It's just the most shameful journalism. And of course, it got picked up and carried around. And then the second case in the Netherlands, there was another example where there were two pictures that were resized so that the, ta- the um, it's Samsung's Galaxy smartphone is the same size as the other phone. And it's the most ridiculous part is he's saying that it's like a big deal that they're resized so that they kind of look the same size when actually the, the uh, Galaxy phone is a little bit taller. The most bizarre part of it is that the picture itself is Samsung's picture. It's, it's some of their stock photography. And they tilted the phone. They have like the phone and then they have it sideways leaning up against itself to make it look exactly like the pictures that are on Apple's website for the iPhone 3GS, that it's always portrayed that way of having the side view kind of slanted up. And, you know, it's something that that's the first time Apple had done that. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of an iconic way for Apple to present the iPad or the iPhone, and I think the iPods were like that. So from the a distance, if you don't look at the product names, you think one is the same as the other. Is that the point? Yeah, it's, it's okay. not only just trying to make the product look the same. It's trying to make it look like it's everything is the same. Like this is an, an identical product, so you can buy it just with the same confidence. You can buy an Apple product kind of thing. 
And so for him to pull that out and say, oh, here's an example of Apple doing something wrong is just absolutely shameful. It's the most crappy journalism I've seen in the last month. And to have everybody else pick it up and say, whoa, the, the news story here is that Apple's faking evidence. I mean, how absurd. I have so little respect for the tech industry <laughs> and the media. They're just such a bunch of morons. Okay, so this is part of the problem they have. But now, let's look at Samsung confronted with what Google is doing here. And no matter how Google spins it, you know that Motorola Mobility is first among equals. So now that means Samsung has to kind of take out Bada and maybe expand it to be a more straight-on competitor with traditional smartphones and maybe tablets? I don't know a lot about Bada on a technical level. I think it's, it's a lot... I think it's very similar to Java. But yeah, the comments that the head of the chairman of, of Samsung was making to his team was that we got to we have to acquire software talent. Because a lot of the companies that have competed against Apple historically, the companies that that have been placed into, you know, this kind of dramatic conflict with Apple have been hardware companies. Because Apple is ostensibly a hardware company, but Apple sells its hardware with sophisticated software. It always has. And so the companies that are trying to compete with Apple would go to Microsoft to get their software, and then they would try to create hardware that was sort of competing. Apple has done really well at competing against that because it's hard to merge things together. And so that's the position Samsung's in now, is that Samsung is trying to work with Google and trying to create a product, and all of a sudden Google is kind of aligned with its competitor, Motorola, so how does it stand out? It's in Google's interest to have everyone have the same type of Android phone so that it's recognizable in the market and people want choose to buy it over something else. They want it to be like Microsoft with its control over the PC operating system at the same time have their own in-house manufacturer. It's a contradiction. Well, it's in Google's interest to have, like Windows, have all Android phones look pretty much the same so that there's no barrier for people buying it. Whereas for the licensees, for Motorola and for Samsung and for HTC, they want their Android phones to stick out. So people don't just buy an Android phone, they buy a Samsung Android phone. But with Google aligned with Motorola, that becomes kind of a question of how does Google support, for example, Motorola's Motoblur thing and discourage Samsung from using its, its TouchWiz layer of stuff over the top of it? Which, incidentally, TouchWiz makes Android look a lot more like the iPhone than than even Google's stock version. So Samsung may continue to have problems even if they develop their own thing, if they continue to try to make it look like the iPhone as much as possible. All right, so if we're looking a year down the pike here and the merger is consummated, it passes regulatory approval, and I kind of think it will because there's no monopoly situation here, I guess, in the industry. So it passes, and now Google brings out its pure vanilla Android tablets and smartphones, do we think that Samsung is still going to do that? That HTC is still going to build Android gear? They don't have a lot of options right now. HTC is still, both HTC and Samsung are still Windows phone licensees. And I saw that HTC is having a new, uh, they're having a new event where they're releasing some new phones and they're all Windows mobile. And there's not really any indication that that they're shifting towards Windows Mobile decisively, but originally HTC was a Windows Mobile licensee. And when Android came out, it was like, oh, here's an option to 
continue to sell phones without having to pay Microsoft licensing fees. But, but Microsoft is paying change. is being <laughs> is being very forthcoming about claiming patent infringements, so they're collecting money from yeah, they're already licensees money of Android. So it's already the case that that Microsoft is getting money regardless of whether you're using Windows Phone or not. So with HTC, the question is now: Do I align? Do I continue to align my dependence upon Google if there's no cost savings, or do I go back to Windows Mobile, or do I, you know, try to go out and buy WebOS or something? So that's kind of shaking everything up for for HTC. And Samsung is kind of the same thing. Do, do we work on our own thing? They are scrambling to have to build up their own capacity for software because they don't really have that. They're not really strong in software. And they have, it's not just phones and, you know, the tablet thing they were trying to do. It's also TVs and other devices that, that they make. They're trying to get this consistent feel so that when people buy a device, they, they continue to buy Samsung devices. They're trying to get the same kind of loyalty as Apple. They want to have a Samsung look and feel. You buy a TV, you go through the menus, you do stuff, you bring up the internet-connected features. They want you to know that whatever Samsung you buy, the Blu-ray player or the smartphone has the same look and feel. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Devin Think is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devin Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11, that's TNO11, for 15% off, all there at devintechnologies.com. That's devintechnologies.com. You know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health. And most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of most alkaline minerals available. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, reading the body of harmful toxins and acid, helping you to regain your energy and health. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body to rid itself of acidic waste increases oxygen, and raises the pH of your body to optimal levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. 
Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop. Stop buying metal lids and get Tatler reusable canning lids made of USDA and FDA approved food grade plastic. Tatler canning lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single use throwaways that contain BPA, but Tatler canning lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler lids are dishwasher safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars, and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders by phone at 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's 1-877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of the 100% blocked arteries in both my legs. And my decision, waiting for surgery to say no and try heart and body extract instead, has been thankfully the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Our guest is Daniel Arundelger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. We focus so far on the Google Android conundrum. What's going to happen with these other companies? Will they have to give up Android and build out their own OS? Go with Microsoft. And the problem with Microsoft is Microsoft has gone into business with Nokia, giving Nokia lots of money. So wouldn't they want to say to Microsoft, if we're going to have Windows Phone 7, show us some money too? Yeah, it's kind of indicating in, back in the 90s, everybody thought that, that Microsoft's success in selling Windows to PC makers was the new way to do things. And that Apple's idea of selling whole products was just, that was the way of the 80s or something. And then it had gone away. And now we're seeing the switch back to where people are saying, oh, these platforms, there's not much value in it. I mean, who's even going to pay very much for Windows Mobile? And if we have to pay anything at all for, for Android, is it even worth it? And everyone's kind of scrambling to create their own products. And that's what HP worked to do. And what's interesting about HP is that HP went on a – started a strategy of building into the consumer space to be more like Apple. And – that part of part of bringing in Palm was 
was part of that. And they were talking about how it was part of their long term. And it was it was very much like Microsoft's effort with the Zoom and talking about how they're going to do this forever. And then two years later, they're like, okay, we're actually not going to do this forever because <laughs> we're not making any money. But as soon as a new CEO came in with a totally different vision for the company of being basically another SAP, the whole idea of, of being a consumer company went out the window. So now they're trying to shop away this, you know, the personal systems group and the WebOS team and focus on being enterprise software. But there's other companies that do want into that space. So it'll be fascinating to see how all this works out. But right now it's a huge mess. And the main beneficiary to this mess is Apple. Because the more contention there is in, in the smartphone business and in the PC business, it's more focus on Apple. Well, I have to look at something here, too. I want to buy a new PC, and maybe I'm looking towards a Windows PC at the very least. I'm not going to buy an HP because I say, well, maybe they're going to cut out the business. What are they going to do? I don't know. What about my product warranty? I'll go to a Dell. Or maybe I will look at that Mac. So maybe Dell and Apple both gain in different ways. Yeah, it's hard to see how HP is not going to just blow its the market share that it has which I mean even though it's not a huge value in just having market share there's some value in having it if you have HP PCs being sold everywhere it's a lot easier to sell HP printers for example so if it just starts giving that, that away. interesting point you raised there which is that you know when you buy products if you're used to one company you buy an HP printer and you like it you might buy the PC, vice versa. You buy the other product. If suddenly there's no HP PC, it's called, you know, Goodly Glop or whatever other company takes it over. If it doesn't have the name HP and you don't perceive it as being from the same company, suddenly will you buy the HP printer? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of mindshare too. Yes. And the other, um, the other thing about hardware... All right. The other thing that came across, of course, is you got to talk about making a commitment to something, a $1.2 billion commitment to something, and then saying, forget about it, it's not working after, what, a year or two. So we have the decision to buy Palm, a failing smartphone company, obviously because the WebOS had some promise or was perceived as having some promise. They bring aboard Palm into HP. Didn't do very much with smartphones. They finally build the touchpad. After a week or two, wait, nobody's buying them. They have three successive price reductions and rebates. Suddenly, it's $100 cheaper, but nobody's buying them. Best Buy is complaining because they're filled with unsold inventory. Where do we go from there? Well, the interesting thing was, Last summer, back when this deal was starting to get talked about, people said, oh, you know, especially the P- you know PC people, they were saying, oh, well, HP is going to take Apple down because they know the enterprise. They're going to ship these into the enterprise. <laughs> and, you know, the enterprise was buying iPads. And what did, who did HP sell these touchpads to? They were dumping them in retail stores. They are trying to get consumers to buy them. And consumers... It's kind of interesting how things have changed because, you know, back in the 90s, <laughs> when you went into Sears, there'd be all these PCs that were cheap and then you'd have the Apple Macs in the background performance and they would be either off or they would be like in this kind of messed up mode where they just look like junk. 
And so people were like, why would I pay extra for the Apple when I can buy a PC that's really cheap and it comes with a free printer and free all this other stuff? Well, fast forward today, you go into Best Buy or something and you have this kind of special altar to Apple with all their fancy products lined up and positioned a certain way and they're running a certain thing that looks really good. And then you have all these junk tablets that people are trying to sell. So you have the $150 Pantech, and then you have next to that, you know, a little bit more expensive name you've never heard of, and then you have the Playbook, and then you have, you know, Samsung's Galaxy Tab or whatever. And if you start playing with them, first off, the junk ones are, are so slow they don't even work. And even even the higher-end stuff, it's, you know, kind of similar hardware to the iPad. It's, the, the, you know, the software doesn't look quite as slick, but... Nothing is presented correctly. You know, you go to look at photos, and there's no photos on it to look at. Or you go to the music player, and it's kind of the super basic music player, and there's no music on it. And it thinks, hmm, this feels kind of like a Mac at Sears 20 years ago. A lot of it is merchandising. If you can't, you can't just throw a product in the market next to the iPad and not give it the same kind of careful marketing and expect it to sell. Well, with the BlackBerry Playbook... Gosh, you could run six simultaneous movie trailers on it, including the one about Thor. What does that do for me? Who cares? Well, yeah, but I mean, you have to you have to have the products set up, and and you see companies making stabs, like like Microsoft has a little kiosk in the store where they're trying to set apart their devices, so it's like, oh, this is Windows Mobile or Windows Phone Seven, you have to buy this thing, but it's not attractive. And the same thing, I mean, all the Android phones are sitting there, and they're, they're not even on. They're not even real phones. They just have, like, the, the fake picture of the screen. If somebody wants to buy a really cheap phone, they might opt for one of those. But nobody is selling their products really well. Best Buy is selling the iPhone 3GS, the one that AT&T has had, the number two best-selling yeah. smartphone in America. And it's something that, what, goes back to 2009? Yeah. The thing is like two and a half years old or a little over two years. It's a discontinued model, free. So if you want a free phone, you can get yourself an iPhone. It's not going to be the latest and greatest, but it's okay. I remember last year reviewing the iPhone 4 and saying, you know, the iPhone 4 is great. Why would you even buy an iPhone 3G, 3GS? Sure, you get like a $50 whatever discount it is, but you have a crappy phone for a year or two before you can buy another one. I mean, it's really... It's not just a year older than the iPhone 4. It's like a generation before. It just feels slow. I mean, I pull mine out to, to play with it sometimes, and it's just like you have to do something utilitarian on it, and it just feels slow. Yeah, but people are buying those things in droves. Yeah. it's kind of gives you the clue here that if Apple comes out with an iPhone 5, possibly late September, early October, whenever it's going to happen, Apple will continue to sell the iPhone 4 for $50 or free, with a basic minimum 8 gigabytes of memory, and people will buy them in droves. Yeah, I mean, there's emerging markets, and then there's also this, you know, the United States is kind of turning into a developing country. <laughs> we have downgraded downgraded credit, and everyone, there's like a whole class of people that can't afford to shop at Walmart anymore. Well, you know, it's interesting here, the company that downgraded America's credit rating, Standard & Poor's, like two days before Lehman Brothers, the financial institution which failed, two days before they failed, they got a green light from Standard & Poor's as being a reliable investment. So I don't know whom you believe there, but there you go. Okay, let's continue here with the focus here, which is on 
smartphones, tablets, HP's curious decision, how they quickly pulled the plug on the HP touchpad. If that was Microsoft, Microsoft, except for the Kin, they'll stick with something. You know, they'll stick with something a year, 10 years. They'll throw billions of dollars into something to try to make it stick. So if it doesn't succeed today, maybe 10 years from now it will. If I was a Microsoft stockholder, I'd be complaining, but that's another story. A little bit later on in the show, we'll feature... Stephen Baker of the NPD Group, and the primary focus of the discussion will be about the surprise resignation of Steve Jobs as CEO of Apple. We'll talk about that, about the impact of the tech industry and lots of other subjects. And by the way, write us, news at technighthal.com. Once again, that's news at technighthal.com. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Another segment with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And the other thing I noticed, by the way, about Samsung, if you spend $1,500 at Best Buy for a Samsung 3D TV, what do you get free? A Galaxy Tab. And they're saying that the promotion is to promote sales of the TV. Which does make sense because 3D is not pushing t- TVs out the door, especially higher-end models. I mean, pe- people aren't really enamored with the 3D, and that's that was kind of the primary feature that television companies are trying to push right now. It's a, you know, there's only so much screen refresh or whatever feature that you can tout to get people to pay for a more expensive TV. And 3D was one of the things that was supposed to be pushing television sales, and it really isn't. So Samsung is really trying hard to push sales, and they're throwing in a Galaxy Tab because, you know what, it's like not like they're going to sell them. So they have to get rid of them somehow. So it, it is kind of interesting that they're trying to give them away. <laughs> and what's even more interesting is these pundits. <laughs> the whole thing about the fire sale of the, the touchpad, you know, they're, they're, they just closed them out, which is kind of bizarre. I mean, they... You'd think they could have sold them for half price for a while. I mean, hasn't anyone ever heard how to go out of business? You know, like slowly lower the price and see where demand hits it. They just would slash the price to like a quarter of, of the price. I mean, they went from being like $400 to $99 or something stupid so that, you know, the nerds couldn't rush to the store fast enough to pull them off the shelves. Now you have pundits saying, 
hey, there's a, a lesson to be learned here. Everybody should sell their stuff for $99. <laughs> okay, so if they can show the economic model. I mean, if they could do that already, they would. I mean, the fact that the competing hey guys, tablets came out are- for the same price or higher than the iPad shows you that Apple had reduced manufacturing costs so much they could produce it with a good profit, but they also cornered a market on a lot of these parts so nobody else could do it as cheaply, so they had to match the price. I guarantee when HP cut the price $100, that was their profit, and then some. They killed the profit when they did that before they went on the $100 unit fire sale. Yeah, they they announced how much they wrote off, and it was like, it was a lot of money. It was hundreds of millions of dollars that they wrote off in, in terms of basically getting rid of the inventory that was already there. And they're also spending a billion dollars to, you know, basically get rid of WebOS, figure out what to do with it. Because you have all these developers. I mean, there's, they have a lot of talent sitting there. And in my opinion, WebOS represents the most viable strategy for competing with the iPhone. Because another player can't go out and just invent another operating system. Google's been working on Android for as long as Apple has been working on iOS. And the same thing with Microsoft. I mean, they've been working on their operating system for a long time. Those are huge projects. Every company can't go out and, and create a platform like that. It's just tremendous amounts of resources. So Palm's idea, which, you know, a lot of what Palm did with WebOS was, it was people from Apple that, that went to Palm to kind of create this thing. They came up with this web strategy of building basically web apps that run on a device with a thin operating system layer, very much similar to what Chrome OS is, and interestingly, similar to what Microsoft is going to do with Windows 8. So that's a viable strategy for for creating mobile devices. It doesn't mean that you know it's this magical thing you stick it on hardware and it's going to sell, like the touchpad surely didn't. So you have to be able to build and market and get the thing done. But the OS is, is a viable thing, and it's finished. And there's a number of ways you could sell it. You could sell it like HP was trying to do, like an Apple-type product with the operating system in it. Or you could try to figure out how to turn it into a development framework so you could sell, you could create tools to create web apps that would run on anything, including Apple's devices. So there's a number of ways that, that HP can do this, but it appears that the leadership of HP is now so uninterested in, in the consumer market that they're just going to let the thing die. So it's kind of like BOS. Remember, everybody had, the, all, the, had all these fans of, of the technology, but the stuff just went nowhere. And didn't you recall here that after the touchpad first failed, John Rubenstein from Palm, the web OS guru, guy who came from Apple, he was pushed aside. So where's the visionary? That was it. Yeah, I mean, the whole... It's kind of clear that the people that are running HP are not... We tend to think of companies as being kind of like one entity. You know, people talk about Apple like it, like every, everybody at Apple has the same personality. And within any company, there are people at the top who have a view from the top. There's people at the bottom who know what's actually going on. And there's people in the middle who are trying to communicate that back and forth. And in most cases, everyone's doing their job really poorly. <laughs> so, so you just have this mess of you know, poor communication, and that's what office politics is all about. In HP, it's very clear that there's a fiefdom of, 
of PC stuff. There's this new group of Palm people that they brought in who, there's a lot of talent here. And what's interesting about HP is, you know, people are talking about how valuable Motorola and its 19 patents were, but HP has all the BOS stuff, all the Palm stuff, and, you know, some of HP's own stuff. They have a lot of patents. They have a lot of talented people. There's going to be such a huge brain drain in any company. I mean, I, I can't imagine that Apple isn't just hunting those people down. Imagine if Rubenstein more. comes back to Apple. Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, Apple kind of did a high-profile hiring of the guy that did the notification system for WebOS that is apparently reflected in iOS 5. But there's a lot of other things. I mean, there's just a lot of people who are generally capable. I mean, all the stuff that, that Palm and, with the Palm Group at HP was doing was based on WebKit. It was based on web standards. They were using a lot of Apple's tools. So this is very much Apple-friendly technology that's going to go somewhere. You know, it may not... You think, do you really think, though, well, that someone's going to go and look at WebOS and say, you know what, maybe we can get this technology at a song. I mean, obviously, at this point, HP, they paid $1.2 billion to acquire Palm. Maybe someone will say, look, we'll give you three, $400 million. Take it off your hands. Release you of the obligations. We're not obligated to take back those touchpads. But you know what? Maybe that's a way for them to gain something back on this investment. Otherwise, well, it's just a lose-lose situation. But then, as you say, it does have value. But who's going to buy it? Would an HTC or a Samsung look at WebOS and say, you know what? We need to differentiate ourselves. This is our chance. I think that WebOS is probably the most attractive, ready-to-go thing for any company in the position of HTC, you know, that kind of situation, uh, to, gra- to grab. I'm not sure that HTC or Samsung recognizes that. At the same time, like I said, there's a huge talent pool so even if you're not even even if you're not a company that makes smartphones or tablets or anything that HP was interested in doing, if you're looking for making any kind of web developed product, um, there's a lot of talent at HP that you could buy. And just in general, in in terms of patents, there's a lot of IP at HP. Now it's not clear what the management of HP thinks it's going to do. I mean. They've made comments that kind of go both ways. It's not clear if they recognize the value or if they just don't care. They, they realize it's worth something, but they don't care anymore. Because, you know, the guy is like a soft enterprise software guy that, that's running HP now. So it sounded like he wants to just spin it off. But he didn't immediately do that. If he just wanted to get rid of it rapidly, it would have made much more sense to say, okay, this new company is called, you know, HP Mobility or whatever, and spun it off separately. But he kind of did this sort of half, like, non-decision of... I've, the board has agreed to do something, but we're going to keep looking at options for a while. I mean, We don't know what to do, which do would have been, I think, I'll tell you, if I was the chief executive at HP, with that legacy, you know, HP, you know, took s- chances one time in the past. We'll get into that in our final segment with you, Daniel. But if I was the head of HP, I would have taken a totally different approach, and I'll tell you what it would be. A little bit later on in the show, we'll feature... Stephen Baker of the NPD Group, and the primary focus of the discussion will be about the surprise resignation of Steve Jobs as CEO of Apple. We'll talk about that, about the impact of the tech industry and lots of other subjects. Daniel Aaron Dilger joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. 
This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Devon Think is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devon Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11. That's TNO11 for 15% off all there at devontechnologies.com. That's devontechnologies.com. Alan Olson with Midas Resources, senior gold and silver broker since 1978. Over the last 3,000 years, gold has been a storehouse of wealth and has survived nearly 500 paper fiat currencies. Since the 1970s, the fiat U.S. paper dollar has lost over 90% of its purchasing power and is decreasing every day. With the U.S. government that is bent on reckless spending, gold and silver are your only safe havens of protection for your hard-earned paper dollars. Please contact me, Alan Olson, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 127, with your questions or purchases. Let's work together to preserve your assets. 1-800-686-2237, extension 127. Again, 1-800-686-2237, extension 127. Local Army-Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military-issue supplies. They're right here online at MainMilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, Military.com. We have everything for true, total preparedness. MainMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits, magnesium fire-starting tools, strike anywhere, waterproof, and storm matches, first aid kits, splints, tourniquets, parachute 550 cord, military manuals, sandbags by the bale, and a huge molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need. Call 207-989-6783, 207-989-6783, or visit MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E, Military.com, the main name in military supply. What nutrition are you missing that's leading to the four major diseases? Cancer, arthritis, heart disease, and Parkinson's. There are at least 80,000 medical studies that show a lack of the protein glutathione to be linked to cancer, heart disease, Parkinson's, macular degeneration, lung disease, digestive diseases, diabetes, Alzheimer's, ALS, rheumatoid arthritis, and lupus. In all, at least 68 diseases. What is the number one food by which your body is most empowered to increase its glutathione production? It is undamaged whey protein from grass-fed cows. One World Whey is truly the first undamaged whey protein powder on the market. All other whey proteins are damaged by heat, chemicals, and filtration. One World Whey is now the standard by which all other whey protein powders can be measured. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. 
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightall.com slash radio. That's technightall.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. I'm Gene Steinberg, and the Tech Night Out Live, we're talking to Daniel Aaron Dilger, cutting-edge commentator from Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm the guy who heads HP, just for a moment, folks. I'm not saying I could do as good or better or worse. When it came to PCs, you know what I would say? Nothing. I would say nothing. You know why? Because I'm going to be killing the sale of those PCs by opening my mouth. Someone should smack him on the head and say, what do you think you did? Do you realize how many millions in lost sales we're going to have because you said we're going to look into other options for PCs? Well, he had to say something because it it was leaking out that HP was doing much worse than even they had originally suggested they were going to do. And if you're a publicly traded company, you can't sit on information like that, especially if it starts to leak. You have to come, come out and say, here's what's actually happening. And so they did have to come out and say, we're lowering guidance. We're really doing badly here. The whole mobile thing is not working out the way we hoped. And our PC business is not really making much money. It's kind of sort of existing. It's not growing. It's The whole PC industry is slumping. That's what they had to say. Now, in addition to that, what they really should have said is we have the biggest, you know, we make the most PCs out there. We have decided to spin this off so it's a company that can work on its own while we focus on enterprise software or whatever. Or they could have said we have found this Chinese supplier that is really enamored with the HP brand and we're going to sell them our assets and they're going to basically take all of the stuff that we built with our great PCs and they're going to build them in China. But what Wouldn't it have really been better is, than to wait until you had a more firm decision? Yeah, it's not It's not clear. I mean, certainly they should have had something to say before they said it. So, Where do yeah. you go? What PC do you buy? If I'm a business and I'm going to buy 10,000 PCs tomorrow, and I've got the salesman coming here from HP, and I've got the salesman coming here from Dell, guess who gets my business? Well, it's, it's not only just that either. It's also there's a lot of decisions in in the enterprise space that are kind of connected. I mean, HP has a big server business that they're not planning to dump immediately. They're having some problems with Oracle in that regard already. And so to, to kind of like dump all your PCs while you're still trying to sell that, I mean, the whole orchestration of this stuff was really bad to start with. I mean, this could be as messy as, um, you know, putting Compaq and HP together, splitting them back apart. I mean, it's just, it's a huge mess. It's really bad for HP, and the market is indicating that. I mean, if you look at HP stock, they just dove downward. You see, part of it is here is that, you know, as you say, if you want integrated product line, HP offers a lot of good stuff. They offer good service. So does Dell, as a matter of fact. But other than the different brand names, tell me, really, if I'm looking at an HP PC, on one end. On the other end, a Dell PC, they both have basically similar specs. Aren't they fundamentally the same computer? Well, to consumers, yes. And I think to consumers, that HP brand is taking a big hit. In the enterprise space, 
people don't just buy a computer based on the brand name. They buy things based on how they've purchased things in the past and the how the channel is lined up and, and what kind of relationship they have with salespeople and stuff like that. So when you just abruptly change a bunch of stuff, business doesn't like to have things jerked under the feet like that. And so that's going to be a big problem. You can't just like extract all of HP's value and goodwill and, and hand it to another company. That's going to just going to create so much upheaval that and it's not clear to me how any other company could really benefit from HP's position and what what they do have, particularly after having like took a big old dump on their goodwill by, with this decision. I mean, it's just it's such a mess. Where do you go from here? What happens with the tablet business? Where does that go? I mean, right now, as far as I can see, Apple's competitors have taken a huge dump this past week when it comes to tablets. Forget about smartphones for the moment. But the iPad, nobody wants anything else. You know, it's kind of like the iPod all over again. You want a music player, you buy an iPod. You don't think of any other brand. Yeah, you know, there were other companies that sold things. But it looks to me like the tablet space is even worse. It's the iPad or virtually nothing because nobody else can sell worth a damn. Well, it will be interesting to see. And I'm also just kind of talking with people and not really advocating Max or anything, but just kind of listening to people talk. And you hear so many people that are saying, oh, I'm so happy I got a Mac. And it's so much easier to use. You know, it's like I'm trying to figure out some stuff I haven't figured out yet, but it's so much of a better experience than what I had with PCs. And instead of having to buy a new PC every like six months because something goes wrong and can't figure out what's going on with it, um, you pay more for a really nice feeling MacBook Air or something and you're happy with it. I think Apple's going to have a tremendous growing boom where they're going to be kind of taxed with not being able to create stuff rapidly enough. Not going to be able to roll out enough new stores and build enough products. And it's already happening with the iPad. So, I mean, Apple's really going to have to strive to keep up with demand because everyone else is just, like, falling on their own sword. But they will have unused manufacturing capacity out there. If these other people don't buy the parts, maybe some of them could be used for Apple or maybe some of that production capacity could be allocated to Apple. Well, if you look specifically at certain products, um, like the MacBook Airs, all these other companies are talking about how they're going to make ultrabooks that, that are just like a MacBook Air. The problem is they can't. The value of the MacBook Air, I mean, part of it comes from the fact that it's it has used the CNC milling to create a a you know a different kind of body type that you can't duplicate any other product. I mean, you can't you can't replicate that really easily because there's a finite number of milling machines in the world, and Apple has built it all out mostly, and HP has been making a lot of old-fashioned, like, stamped two pieces of plastic together and whatever laptops. There's some demand for that. I mean, there's a, there's a huge demand for volume of these low, these cheap laptops like that. But there's not a lot of growth. So what happens when HP starts falling in the marketplace? Who makes that up? I mean, are people going to race to Dell to get the same product? Or is it just going to, like, hasten the shift to more mobile devices? Would also hasten the shift to Apple products, not just the iPad, but the MacBook Air, which nobody can duplicate. Who could have thunk it? They can't produce thin and light or ultra books or whatever you call them. They can't produce anything as cheaply 
if we call that cheap, or the same price as the MacBook Air. You look at any of the imitating products, they're either equally priced or higher, and those other companies are getting a fraction of the profits. Who could have thunk it? Daniel Aaron Dilger, please tell our listeners where they can find more of the things that you do. I write for appleinsider.com and roughlydrafted.com is my personal blog where I write whatever I'm thinking about. And I notice you have more stuff coming out at roughlydrafted.com. That's your personal opinion. When he writes for appleinsider.com, he does product reviews, he does analysis, and he writes straight news stories. I mean, he covers the whole kit and caboodle between the two places. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. Coming up next, Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards Radio Show. Later on, we'll hear from Stephen Baker of the NPD Group on the resignation of Steve Jobs as Apple's CEO. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. 
Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted-down reactors in Fukushima, Japan, and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water, and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S. unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With liquid zeolite from Restore Your Health now.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins and heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. 9976 or go to restoreyourhealthnow.com that's restoreyourhealthnow.com America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade we are the GCN radio network you're listening to the tech night owl live with Gene Steinberg You never know what's going to happen next. He's ready to fire away, folks. He's the angry Mac bastard himself, Peter Cohen. Now, later on, we'll be talking about the resignation of Steve Jobs as Apple's CEO with Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. But now, with Peter, this week, some unusual stories came out. First, Google. Google is going to lose... A half a billion dollars because of what now, Peter? Google um, agreed to forfeit a half a billion dollars, $500 million, no small amount of change uh, in money that it, it it's giving it to the feds, basically. The Department of Justice announced this week that Google took money from its AdWords um, advertising system illegally uh, for Canadian pharmacies. Uh, people were people had been buying drugs uh, for years, uh, prescription drugs, um, controlled stuff uh, from Canadian pharmacies uh, for years, and Google was taking money from advertisers who were selling this stuff. And they knew, according to the DOJ, as early as 2003, that doing so contravened federal law, but they didn't bother to stop doing it until 2009. Okay, so let's clarify this now. Let's clarify this now. It's not legal to buy drugs from another country in the U.S.? Correct, exactly. The FDA wants to control that because they say, listen, if it's coming into us from another country, we've got no way of making sure that it passes muster with our laws. Of course, the drug companies, you know, kind of like that, too, because they make more money. But certainly they could have made an agreement with the investigative authorities in different countries to make sure that the drugs are being checked for potency and safety and everything. But, of course, that's logical. But go ahead, please. Exactly. So, um, you know, the DOJ says that as early as 2003, Google knew that this was illegal to do, but they didn't bother to stop doing it until 2009. When they found out that they were being investigated by the U.S. Attorney's Office and a task task force, um, an FDA task force based in Rhode Island, so for six years Google didn't bother to obey the law. Now, what is Google's excuse, or did they have one? I don't think Google at at, at this time, uh, Gene, and uh, as we record the show, I have not seen an official statement from Google on this. Okay. 
Okay. So we just know that they agree to pay up. Exactly. All right. Exactly. So they lost a hat. They're 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 forking over a half billion dollars in drug money. But you know, as as John Gruber of the inimitable daring fireball said, "Don't be evil." You know, so much for Google not being evil. You know, as long as the checks don't bounce, they don't care where their ad money is coming from. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, we hear a lot from about Google. You know, about this mantra of Google: "Don't be evil." You know, which was coined by by some Google folks many years ago as their as their sort of unofficial company slogan. But you keep seeing Google doing stupid, reckless things like this. You got to wonder what exactly is going on over. Yes, it seems to me that Google doesn't always think of the consequences in the search for cash. Exactly. Just a personal opinion. Exactly. Maybe they should have been importing some, I don't know, mood-controlling medicine from Canada and taking it themselves so they could <laughs> exercise better judgment. Okay, so I suppose here that they could just go ahead and blame who knows who. Who knows? Well, you know, I don't. I don't think they're going to blame anyone. I mean, Google tacitly accepted responsibility for this by ponying over the half billion dollars in money in ad money. You know, they're they're filthy lucre, as it were. You know, they admitted that they, 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 by, by doing that, that, that is in and of, of itself an admission of guilt. You know, so much for that. I'm sure that, you know, that, that there are scapegoats at Google. I'm sure somebody, if not many people, have been fired over this. But, um, you know, whatever. Don't be evil, Google. That's right. Now, Google supposedly has made a big deal about ethics, and I guess we could say, well, maybe some people who were not in the highest echelons may have approved this maneuver, but then you consider the amount of money, you can't think that the executives were unaware. You know, it's it's a lot of money. I mean, it's but of course, it's aggregated over six years. But yeah, undoubtedly, there were some mid-level and fairly high-level people who saw this money coming in and, and must have known where it was coming from. I can't imagine this escaped um, Google's purview for six years. And the fact is, they only stopped doing it after they found out that they were being investigated by the feds. That helps. You right there. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. You know, we got caught. We better stop doing it. Whoops. It's a whoops time. It is. Okay. You know, that's not the only other... That's not the only stupid Google news item I want to bring to your attention this week. Uh, we've got another story um, that, that that appeared on the loop this week that I want to talk to you about, if that's okay, Gene. Is that Okay. Hey, you're allowed to continue. We want to hear more dirt about Google. Go ahead, please. Okay, so my, my second piece of, of Google dirt, actually, it's not directly about Google, but, it, well, no, it is. It is, come to think of it. McAfee, the antivirus uh, software developer, um, said that uh, uh, this week that, um, that, that uh, Android is now the number one mobile operating system for malware. And curiously, malware is completely absent from the iOS platform. But it's prevalent. It's on, on on Android, and Android has surpassed Symbian, the operating system that Nokia uses um, on its um, phones, um, as as the uh, the go to operating system for malware developers. So you know when when you hear those those little Google acolytes chortling over their open system and how wonderful things are. You know, because Android is open and, and, and awesome. This is what happens when you don't vet applications. This is what happens when you don't have a review process like what Apple uses for the App Store. You get your computer, your, your, your Android smartphone filled with stuff that can steal your identity and screw you up. 
So if that, if that's what, you know, I, I, as, as a friend of mine put it on Twitter today, I would rather live in the walled garden of iOS than the open sewer of Android. Open sewer. I like that. Indeed. If that's what open is all about, I'll stick to my walled garden. Thank you very much. Okay. So Google's walled garden obviously has a few problems. No, it's, it's our walled garden. We, we have a walled garden in iOS. Well, Google's going to have a walled garden, right? Google doesn't. I mean, Android apps don't get reviewed. There's, there's no, there's no problem. Right, but they're going to have a walled garden anyway because they bought Motorola Mobility. Well, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Yeah, they bought Motorola Mobility, or they're they're planning on buying Motorola Mobility. But the thing is that they're still continuing on letting Motorola Mobility operate as an independent company. You know, it isn't all of a sudden going to be be you know absorbed into Google's headquarters. Ostensibly, Motorola Mobility is still going to be building Motorola-branded products. But yeah, you know, they've got, they've got their hardware business now. And the other serious question you have to consider is, with Motorola Mobility, now they're assured of having one carrier, one handset maker, who will provide the unvarnished Android experience because right now you're not getting unvarnished experiences. Even Motorola was putting their own overlay upon the operating system, right? Well, unvarnished comes in many forms. Yeah, it's possible that you might be getting Motorola devices that have a more pure Android uh, environment than many other handset makers, but it's still going to be up to the carriers as to how they outfit those phones. And as a fellow from PC Pro pointed out this week, a lot of Android phones are coming with what he calls crapware, the same kind of trial software and adware and so on that you find on inexpensive Windows PCs and netbooks. And that stuff is very carrier-dependent, so it's entirely possible that carriers that are selling Motorola equipment are still going to junk up those handsets with uninstallable um, software that, that you don't want and that you don't need. Trial versions of games and anti-malware software and other stuff that, that maybe you, you don't want on your phone. Now, this is similar to what happens in the Windows platform with what they call crapware. We'll get into that in a moment. Now, if you're just tuning into the Tech Night Out Live, we've got a lot more to come. A little bit later in the show, we'll hear from Stephen Baker of the NPD Group all about the impact of the sudden resignation of Steve Jobs as CEO of Apple. And let me remind you again, listeners, that he did not quit Apple despite the mistaken impression conveyed by some. He's simply cutting back his role. He'll be chairman of the board. He'll still be participating in Apple. He'll still be, obviously, responsible in some part for the decision-making process. But as I said, we'll have that later on in the show. We have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show in the loop. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockaways. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now 
Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Take the first step in home security. Install the Door Sentinel. Standard locks, deadbolts, and security systems can't prevent forced entry. The Door Sentinel provides door kick-in protection and can be added to your existing security system. The Door Sentinel is easy to install and will turn your home into a fortress. Make the call, 678-648-6757. That's 678-648-6757. Or visit them at S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L, securitygroup.com, sentinelsecuritygroup.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Meet Jerry D. Hi. Jerry and his family, like you, are very concerned about world conditions and have gathered many emergency preparedness items, including turtle tough shelters. We have added two 24-foot turtle tufts to our supplies and feel very secure knowing our large family is ready for whatever the future may bring. Turtle tough shelters are not tents. They are permanent yet portable four-season geodesic frame shelters that are as strong as a cabin at a fraction of the cost and are easy to set up, take down, and move anywhere. Available in two sizes. Get your Turtle Tough Shelter and accessories included at TurtleToughShelters.com. That's Turtle, T-U-F-F, Shelters.com. Or call 801-623-3288. That's 801-623-3288. Or see them online at TurtleToughShelters.com. Turtle Tough Shelters, your all-season home away from home. Energy, energy, and more energy. We all need it. Get the energy you need quick through the powers of wild forest extracts. Wild Chagan Birch Bark are the secrets of the forest used exclusively by Russian athletes. Wild Chaga is the world's top source of superoxide dismutase, the critical enzyme that blocks the aging process. Chaga is good for your heart and even helps support healthy arteries. Wild Birch Extract is the top source of betulin, a natural sterile needed by every cell of the body. And healthy cells mean a healthy body and a more powerful you. No wonder it's known as a king of all herbs. Experience real energy and power like you've never dreamed possible. Take Chago Charge Tea with Wild Birch Bark every day and Chaga Max capsules to get the energy you need. You deserve it. Order today by calling 877-817-9829. 877-817-9829. That's 877-817-9829. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We're back with Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show. And the loop, we're talking about Google. First, they have to pay half a billion dollars in fines because they allowed ads to be run for a foreign drugstore or foreign drugstores 
against the laws of the United States. Then we have the decision to buy Motorola Mobility, which was just spun off as a separate company a few months ago because the original Motorola couldn't handle them. They weren't making money. They're not making money there. Market share is going down. And now we point out that when a wireless carrier takes an Android phone, you know, it's like a blackboard for them to stick on any crapware they want, any demo software, etc. But also, isn't that the same thing that's been true for years with the PC platform, with Windows PCs? They stick on all that junk, and sometimes they charge you extra to remove it. Yeah, that's the wonderful thing. And in some cases, um, you can't remove it altogether until you jailbreak your phone um, and install something like CyanogenMod or, or what have you, um, enabling you to install a more pure Android environment. It's crazy. It's crazy-making. And, and, I mean, you know, look, th- this is, is one of many reasons why I stick with iOS. It's just a lot easier to deal with. Certainly half the people who buy Android phones, hey, they want to buy iPhones next time. Have you noticed that? Maybe go into that. Exactly. That's true. You know, I mean, a lot of times people like to uh, buy um, Android phones because uh, maybe sometimes their friends use Android phones so they can get them more inexpensively or their carrier doesn't support the iPhone. Maybe they're still on Sprint. A company that, that was rumored this week to be getting the iPhone with the next major re- revision. So we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, there are a lot of people why, uh, there are a lot of reasons why people end up buying, uh, Android phones. But, you know, many of them turn around and end up buying iPhones later. Um, I, I just had to help a poor guy with an Android phone, uh, the other night that had absolutely no idea how it worked or why it was doing what it was doing. It's driving them crazy. That's a point, I think, to mention here. Now, we know we're used to the setup process on iPhone. You buy an iPhone, you get it activated on iTunes, and then it offers to copy your email accounts and your music, your movies, etc., your photos. Not so hard. With an Android phone, how do you set the thing up? There's no well, equivalent of iTunes. Well, you know, the, the, the good thing about the Android experience, and this, this is, you know, I have to hand it to, to Google here. I think Google um, has, at least up until, we'll, we'll see what happens when I, when Apple introduces iOS 5 and, and gets its iCloud strategy going in, in, in greater um, capacity. But, you know, Google really has the, the cloud thing, I think, well figured out. And, and one of the advantages, quite frankly, of having an Android, an Android phone is that if you are drinking Android's particular, fla- or Google's particular um, uh, flavor of Kool-Aid, and you're using Google Docs and you have a Gmail account that you depend on uh, for either personal or professional reasons, and you're using these other Google services, your Android phone integrates with that stuff like crazy. You can get going right away with that um, and makes it really easy. And I, I have to hand it to them. It's, it's, it's very sophisticated and very easy to do. But if you're not, or if you have more complicated services that you have to access uh, than that, you can run into problems pretty quickly, that's for sure. Well, I'm worried mostly about the malware situation. I mean, yeah, people are used to malware problems with a Windows PC. But on a smartphone, it's an appliance. People expect it to just work. If suddenly you've got all this crap on there that might be stealing your data, you know, what do you do? Is there a virus software, I guess, available for it? There is antivirus software now available for, or anti-malware software now available for Android, of course. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a very scary situation because 
I think people have a different expectation of their smartphone than they have of their their computer, and that they're a little bit more trusting with it in terms of sharing personal information on. You know, you've got all of your contact information on there, which means that you know you're not just putting yourself at risk; you're putting everybody else who、uh, communicates with you at risk. You may be using it to do things like banking transfer data, for example, or you may be using it to message people important information. And I think that there's a An erroneous expectation from a lot of、uh, Android users that、um, their 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 phones and that communication is safe, and it's not. It's not at all. And the problem is buying the software through the Android market. People aren't. Google isn't vetting the software.、Uh, they're 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 not making sure that the software works. Well, or is free of, of 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 malware before it goes up. Unlike Apple, Apple does do that with iOS. Apple does make sure that apps work the way that they're supposed to, and that causes frustration for for app developers because they hate to see their stuff hanging for days or weeks. As Apple gets around to it and, and goes through it, you know, through the code, make sure that it works the way that it's supposed to. But the net result. Is that people who have iOS devices can reasonably trust that their devices are supposed to work, or that their software on their devices are, works the way that it's supposed to? Without that vetting process, you're taking your life in your hands every time you download something from the Android market. And what people have found is they think they're downloading an update for an application that they've got on their phone, but no, this isn't a real update. This is malware that now. You know, gloms onto their phone and steals their information, or does something even worse and more heinous. So, how do you fix that? I mean, is there a way on an Android phone to kind of reset the phone if it's taken over to get back to what you had? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could, you know, you could just like doing a, a hard reset on a、um, an Apple device on an iOS device. You could restore your device to factory defaults. And you know, reconnect to the the Google Cloud, and 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 redo all that information. But why would you even bother if you didn't have to? If the solution is just to use a more secure、um, operating system environment, that's what I don't understand. Well, we understand here that that may or may not stop the success of Android. But what will is where other companies jump ship because Motorola Mobility, Motorola Mobility becomes the first among equals. To get the new operating system and to get control, I assume having Motorola Mobility, Google will probably want to go to the carriers and say, "You know what? Now we have this manufacturer. We want full control over the platform, as Apple does. So you can't put crapware on there. We can just give you the unvarnished branded product. I guess. I guess. Yeah. I mean, in theory, but you know, it, it, it's. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. You know what was really interesting to me, anyway, in the in the immediate wake of Google's announcement that it had,、um, or that it was it was planning on acquiring、uh, Motorola Mobility, is that all these statements came out from、um, Google's Android partner saying,、uh, basically using the same coded language over and over again. You know, we appreciate Google defending Android, defending Android, defending Android. It sounded almost brainwashed the way that you know, heavily scripted. It sounded heavily scripted, like as if you know, Google's, Google's own、PR、corporate, got, right, their right, own PR team wrote the press release or and contacted them. Or got in touch、them. with these other companies saying, "These are our talking points. This is the stuff that we want to underscore." Yes, but there's also a report that. 
Samsung is now trying to increase development of its Bada operating system. This is true. Yep. Samsung and Bada, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I'm not counting on too much. You know, Samsung has a lot invested in um, in, in Android as well. So, um, you know, Samsung has um, Samsung is also a very big company. I, I don't know that uh, a lot of people understand just how um, how many smartphones um, and how diverse um, the smartphone ecology is with Samsung. They sell a lot of products into a lot of different markets. So it's understandable why they would have their, their tendrils um, sort of reaching out into different environments. And just consider another event this week where now there's a ruling in the Netherlands that Samsung cannot sell certain models of their Android smartphones because of possible infringement on Apple products. Yeah, Apple and Samsung, it's really interesting because Samsung, among other things, is a supplier of uh, technology to Apple. The components that go into many of Apple's iOS products are manufactured by Samsung. Um, So um, it's... Uh, not ironic, I guess, is not the right word, but it's coincidental that Apple and Samsung are also locked um, in, a, in an international legal dispute over patents um, and, and software design uh, for many of Samsung's products. Uh, Apple has sued Samsung uh, in the United States and in international courts, uh, alleging that Samsung has violated uh, patents for the iPad, um, patents for iOS smartphones, and so on. And they've won preliminary injunctions in Europe most recently, as we record this in the Netherlands, uh, that prevent Samsung from actually selling its Galaxy smartphones in European countries that abide by a particular software patent. It's a little convoluted, it's a little complicated, but the bottom line is that unless Samsung changes something in its phones, if that preliminary injunction becomes permanent, Samsung won't be able to sell those Galaxy smartphones in those countries. And those countries include about half of the European Union, as I understand it. We have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards Radio Show. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show and the Loop at LoopInsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are exploring, well, first of all, we started with Google and their problems with the Department of Justice in the U.S. over links to foreign drug stores. And now, of course, the purchase of Motorola Mobility, 
the problems with Samsung. And be very brief before we go on to our next subject. With Samsung, are they now going to be forced to revise their designs? The other problem, of course, is that Apple buys lots of components from Samsung. Very peculiar. They're being sued and they're selling. Indeed. As far as the first question is concerned, that would seem to be one approach that Samsung could take. The other is just to ride it out until the whole process is managed through the courts. Samsung has fired back and alleged that Apple is misrepresenting its products, and it has indeed shown that some of the um, filings that Apple has made in court are questionable in terms of proving that Samsung's equipment looks uh, and acts like Apple's does. Apple has tweaked the matrix a little bit. It's changed the dimensions of Samsung's products to look a little bit more like Apple products. It seems to be a little bit of sleight of hand. So um, they're going back and forth, and obviously Apple and Samsung both have top lawyers on this, and, and they're duking it out. As far as the supply issue is concerned, that is a more interesting question. I don't think Apple would have gotten into this with Samsung unless Apple's COO, Tim Cook, was positive that he could source the materials that he needs from other companies besides Samsung if Samsung decided to pull up its stakes and say, well, we're just not going to sell anything to Apple anymore. So far, Samsung's kept its nose clean on that account, but Apple's got to have a backup plan. I mean, Apple knows its stuff when it comes to the sort when it comes to the supply chain. That is for sure. This is one of those stories where the final paragraph hasn't been written yet. But let's go to one other story here, and I guess the best way to phrase it is: Can we be assured now that when it comes to an iPad wannabe, an iPad contender, an iPad imitation? The magical price is $100. Is that correct? <laughs> well, according to some tech pundits, that is the magic price that all new tablets have to be in order to succeed. Now, this, of course, is because HP announced last week that it was discontinuing not only its touchpad, but all of its webOS hardware development. So all of a sudden, over the weekend, HP decided to have a fire sale. And instead of spending $400, now remember, the touchpad has had been on the market for scarcely a month. It, I think 49 days. Scarcely two months. I'm pretty sure I've got stuff in my freezer older than the touchpad. <laughs> 49 days it was on the market and HP pulled the plug why it pulled the plug is a completely different story that I'm sure could fill up a couple of additional Tech Night Owl segments but uh, the bottom line is that HP did pull the plug and when they debuted this thing back in July they were charging $500 for it it didn't sell at all so they decided to knock the price down 100 bucks. They sold a few, so they said, well, we're making that price permanent now. And then scarcely two weeks later, announced that they were discontinuing it altogether. So what happened over the weekend? They dropped the price to 100 bucks just to clear inventory out. People went nuts. People were standing in line 20, 30, 100 deep in some Best Buys trying to get their hands on touchpads. Tech pundits on the internet were saying, hey, if you can get one at that price, buy it. It's a fine little system. It'll work fine on its own. You don't need a lot of, lot of software to run on it if all you want to do is web access and a few other things. Sure, but so you'll we, never get an update. What if they have to fix a bug? It becomes a brick? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, one thing that HP has made clear is that they're continuing to develop the WebOS itself, the web WebOS operating system that runs on these things. This is the um, the operating system that, that HP bought from Palm. Um, okay, so they're continuing to develop it, but not 
delivering any products with it. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. So they're, they're continuing to develop the operating system, just not the hardware that runs the operating system. Whether or not somebody else is going to pick up the ball and develop hardware that runs WebOS is an open question at this point. HP could certainly sell that, that technology off or, or license other companies uh, to make WebOS uh, hardware. But they're continuing to develop the software. And in fact, they're planning on embedding the software in some of their computers and printers still. Okay, but in terms of selling it to somebody else, they failed with it. Will someone else be able to succeed? Remember, Palm couldn't succeed as an independent company, okay? Palm didn't make it independently, so HP came to them and bought them out. Now, what, a year later or something like that, HP says, oh, we'll give up on the manufacturing. So what other company in their right mind, their right collective corporate mind, would buy a failure? I don't understand. That's a very good point. You know, maybe a company that makes uh, hardware that runs on a different operating system like Android. Now, the other thing to consider also here is that the $100 purchase point is a fire sale. Understand that they're not making money on $100 a unit. They're taking a big bath. Probably even for $100 less, they were making little or no profit on those units. They're not making profits like Apple is making profits on those things. Apple buys millions of components. Therefore, it keeps the price down. They prepay where they can. And so they could earn, what, 25 30% profit on every iPad. And that's fine at the current price points. But when HP cuts $100 off their touchpad in that first round of price cutting, that killed their profit margin. Had to wipe it out. Selling it for $100, do they think anybody can afford to build and sell a full-size tablet, you know, something with 9, 10-inch screens with all the accoutrements of a modern tablet and make a profit at $100? It's going to cost them three or $400 just to build the things. It reminds me of the joke about the uh, uh, shoe salesman who decides to sell shoes below uh, the price of his competitor or below the price of his competitor and indeed below the price that he's paying. And when his son, the businessman, says, well, you know, you're going to lose money on it, his dad says, don't worry about it. I'll make it up in, in volume. You know, this is the thing that I think a lot of tech pundits are losing when they think that people can make $100 tablets and sell them as the day is long. No, customers are not going to line up and buy your tablet. In fact, now you can get an Android 2.2 tablet from a variety of no-name Chinese manufacturers for pretty darn close to that. I've seen, you know, junk merchants on the Internet selling devices, 7-inch tablets running Android 2.2 for 150 bucks. you know, somewhere close to that. But they're junk. They're garbage. They run lousy. And people don't want that experience. People don't want... A, a tablet that runs like junk. You know, when you look at the way that Apple's doing it, I think that the, the what Apple is selling, the iPad, that no one else has been able to step up to the plate at this point is a complete experience, a complete ecosystem. You buy the hardware, you're also getting the App Store and so on. And yeah, these devices that run Android, for example, WebOS is an exception. WebOS, completely different animal um, than Android. But the, the other 30% of the market um, of the of the tablet market right now comprises all these manufacturers that are selling devices that are very difficult to differentiate from one another. They all work similarly. They run similar operating systems. Um, they 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 all run. They can all run the same application. So how do you differentiate yourself in that kind of market? I think it's very difficult. You know, I certainly would not want to be 
a, pro- a product manager at a company making an Android tablet right now. I think it's very hard to separate yourself from the pack. Well, certainly with the Windows PC operating system, that was not a factor. Everybody bought Windows and it didn't matter which manufacturer made the hardware. So that's what they're trying to duplicate. That certainly is the end game that you make the operating system the same, but they don't do that. That's the other problem is they make it different. They want to differentiate themselves. They don't want to be commodities. You see, in the PC world, it's commodities. You can buy from five, ten different manufacturers, be assured of getting basically the same product, the same level of support, probably built in the same factory. And there you go with the way things happen. Tell our listeners where they can learn more information about the Angry Mac Bastards radio show on The Loop. And the Angry Mac Bastards is available at angrymacbastards.com. And The Loop is at loopinsight.com. And again, Angry Mac Bastards consists of several hosts, yourself and... John Welch and Darby Lyons are my co-hosts. And we occasionally have uh, a, a, a guest host by the name of Kelly Guimont. Okay, wild and varied and also blue, so he doesn't watch the language as he has to do on family radio, but he's a lot of fun regardless, regardless of the language. Peter Cohen, thank you for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. It's always a pleasure and an honor, sir. Thank you very much for having me on. Ray Perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Alan Olson with Midas Resources, senior gold and silver broker since 1978. Over the last 3,000 years, gold has been a storehouse of wealth and has survived nearly 500 paper fiat currencies. Since the 1970s, the fiat U.S. paper dollar has lost over 90% of its purchasing power and is decreasing every day. With the U.S. government that is bent on reckless spending, gold and silver are your only safe havens of protection for your hard-earned paper dollars. Please contact me, Alan Olson, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 127, with your questions or purchases. Let's work together to preserve your assets. 1-800-686-2237, extension 127. Again, one 800 Six eight six twenty two thirty seven extension one two seven. 
Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop! Stop buying metal lids and get Tatler reusable canning lids. Made of USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, Tatler canning lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways that contain BPA, but Tatler canning lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler lids are dishwasher safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars, and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders by phone at 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's 1-877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightall.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightall.com. From the NPD group, we have Stephen Baker. And the most obvious topic to discuss, first of all, is the surprise resignation of Steve Jobs as CEO of Apple, that he's now just the chairman of the board and an employee. Stephen Baker, were you surprised to hear this announcement now? Well, you know, no, no one ever expects someone to, to leave a position like that. But obviously, Steve has been, you know, sick for a while. He's been on leave. And, you know, I think it, without them saying it, you know, clearly either, you know, he doesn't think he's, he can be up to all the things that a CEO has to do. You know, as he said in, uh, in his letter, you know, he'd be the first one to let everybody know when that happened. And, you know, he's the best judge of when he can fulfill all his duties and when he can't. Now, we have Tim Cook as the permanent CEO, but he's been interim CEO for quite a bit of time now, and it seems Apple's been able to execute anyway. So do we expect Apple to change much with jobs fading from the scene? Probably not. I mean, let's remember that, you know, the chairman of the board is still a pretty important position and has a lot of power and a lot of opportunity to influence 
things that are going on. I think, you know, when you think about what the CEO does, a lot of that may be kind of mundane day-to-day management things, you know, what's, what's the financial situation, working with the human resources department, all those kind of things. And I think it's just, this was a way for Steve to get away from all that day-to-day stuff. And analogous to what Bill Gates did many years ago, right, stepping down from being CEO and going to be chairman of the board and saying, look, I, you know, I don't want to, all the day-to-day responsibility, what I really want is to be able to stay connected to the product people and be able to help us work on great products. And while Steve Jobs didn't say that, I think, you know, the underlying piece of that is he's still an employee, still, you know, a very important employee, and he has opportunities still to connect and help influence the product pieces, which, you know, from from all accounts, those tend to be the things that he's most interested in. And from a day-to-day basis, on an operational basis, clearly, Tim Cook has been a great operator uh, over the many years, both at Apple and before. He came into Apple and cleaned up what was a, a pretty dysfunctional supply chain, made it work very well, gets the products to where they need to be when they need to be at costs that no one else can manage, able to manage a far-flung enterprise, able to manage the difficult financial issues that come when you're a great big company. So I I suspect that from a day-to-day and even from a short-term perspective, you know, there's not going to be a lot of of things we're going to notice without... Steve as CEO and with, with Tim there. Now, it's safe to say that being the CEO has a lot of business work that doesn't allow you to be creative. You're not being creative when you're managing a 10,000 and one other details. So if he can only work 15 or 20 hours a week and focus on products and services, maybe that's a better utilization of his talents. Uh, I, I think that's absolutely right. But the other issue, of course, is now that this has happened, you read the articles in a lot of the publications, they're treating this like a eulogy. You know, Steve Jobs is gone. Well, no, he's not gone. He's still chairman of the board. He's still able to say various things and express his viewpoints with regard to products and strategy. He's not out of the scene. You know, he seems the kind of person that even if he was homebound, could only access his email five minutes a day, he'd still wield power. Uh, yeah, I, again, I think that was the point I was making before. Certainly, again, if you look at what Bill Gates did when he left the CEO job and went to be chairman of the board, I think there's probably some parallels there, although obviously, you know, Bill wasn't, didn't, didn't have health problems the way Steve does. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, I, I, I think in the short and midterm, this isn't likely to have you know, a huge impact on where Apple is going. Predictably, Apple's stock price has gone down, but not by much. It's not tanked. I mean, I guess a few years ago, if Steve Jobs made this announcement, the bottom would fall out. But now people are used to seeing Tim Cook as an interim CEO, and Apple continues to execute. Well, you know, that's that's definitely one of the benefits of what's happened over the past few years is that everyone has been able to recognize that that Apple isn't just Steve Jobs and that there's a lot of other very smart and talented people there and, you know, headed by Tim and that there's no reason that the plans that are in place need to be, need not to work the way that they're uh, expected to. You know, stock price is a very bad correlation to the success or, or lack of success 
success of a company. So you know, it's a lot of emotion. Whatever there. happens, whatever happens to the stock prices is, is, as you said, more emotional, and you know, more has to do with the you know the gambles that that people on Wall Street are willing to take. You have to look at the product announcements. You have to look at the financials. If Apple continues to do well financially, continues to grow their markets well, it doesn't matter. Now, the other thing here is all the f- events that happened before Steve Jobs announced his resignation. It's been a pretty tumultuous last uh, 10 days or so, hasn't it? It really has been. So first we have Google decides to acquire Motorola Mobility, and I'm seeing a lot of skepticism to that. What does an organization like NPD Group, how do they observe this thing? Well, Google's never been a hardware company, and certainly Motorola's a pretty big hardware company. Um, I think there's still a lot of questions that we obviously don't have a chance to answer um, yet. What is really going to happen with the handset business? How is Google going to manage that? Can they really, you know, put up a wall between the Android market and uh, um, in motor in themselves and Motorola and treat all the other licensees fairly? I think it's been pretty well discussed that you know the history says that that's a very uh, difficult thing to do. You know, certainly Google's a pretty sophisticated company, and they don't have to live in history. They can make their own, and they can they might be able to change that paradigm. Well, it's also the best of intentions. You know, the best of intentions would be, okay, we'll keep it separate. But as a practical matter, they're going to be tempted not to. It's not as if Google always does the right thing. Witness this half billion dollars they've got to pay in, what, fines because of the allowing of Canadian drug companies to advertise and take orders from American customers? Well, you know, uh, I think the the opportunity for Google around Motorola Marketplace is, like many things in tech these days, driven by Apple and driven by, uh, to some extent, the questions around both. Is there more of a value in a very vertical business model that lets me own, you know, the the customer experience from the factory or from the software all the way down to the to the device and you know in Apple even further extended into the store or you know is Google better off you know going for volume you know doing doing the Microsoft and you know providing the software to all the different companies and then letting them do their work as you see folks the questions about Steve Jobs and the future of Apple will be dying down there's so much else to cover. We'll have more with Stephen Baker of the NPD Group on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. If you drive for a living, you don't get paid to stop or wait in line. Keep your wheels moving with pre-pass. Bypass way stations. Fly by port of entry facilities. Stay moving at highway speed while the guy without pre-pass waits in line. Save time, save money. Call 888-401-PASS to try pre-pass free. That's 888-401-PASS. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. We're back on the Tech Night Isle, live with Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. We started our focus 
on the surprise resignation of Steve Jobs as CEO of Apple and his relegation to lesser duties in terms of his time, although chairman of the board can be considered perhaps a higher position than CEO. Regardless, we're also looking at all the other crazy events in the tech industry, such as Google buying Motorola Mobility. Would Google be trying to do what Microsoft hoped to accomplish with the Zoom? Of course, that ended up being nothing. You know, I think that the interesting piece of all of this is that most of us tend to take these kind of events and compare them to what we know and the infrastructure and the industry and the way things work that we know has always been, you know, how the PC channels and the PC infrastructure work. We're certainly seeing different things happen in an age where mobility is so much more important from a tablet or a phone perspective. So while having a operating system and then having a whole bunch of licensees and letting them do their thing with the hardware and the device may have worked in the PC era. Um, It may not be a successful business model in the mobile era. You know, certainly Microsoft is kind of on the fence about how they're doing, you know, Windows 8 you know, adding uh, more things that tie the hardware to Microsoft, even in Windows 7. On the PC side, they've been a lot more aggressive about trying to manage the things that the PC makers do with the devices. You know, on the phone side, you know, the partnership with Nokia is, you know, a little bit different in terms of them, you know, really working closely with one big hardware company to try to create, you know, great hardware for the uh, Windows Phone 7 platform. So we're starting to see some evolution and maybe some changing and thinking that, um, you know, to be successful, you need a much more integrated infrastructure from, you know, again, from the software stack all the way down to the, to the device. Of course, with Microsoft, didn't do well with making the whole widget. So it's not just the strategy of making the whole widget. You have to do a lot more than that. Obviously, Apple can do it, but nobody else seems to be able to do it, right? No one has done it to the extent that Apple has done it up to this point, no. And, you know, again, everyone's looking at Apple as a paradigm. Um, It may be that, you know, they're the only ones who can do that, and maybe the better way to look at things is the way we did things in the PC world. Um, But maybe not. Maybe no one's really tried to be more like Apple in the mobile world yet. Google with Motorola and, you know, Microsoft even tightening up some of their things may be the first shot of those companies saying, uh, you know, we, we need to be more tightly integrated to be successful on this platform. It's not the same business as the PC business. Well, we're going to have to see where this goes, especially looking at the situation with HP. Now, it's interesting how this turned out. With Microsoft, when something doesn't do well, except for the kin, which got killed pretty fast. With Microsoft, when something doesn't work, they give it a new name, they make a few changes, and they put more money into it. And certainly HP has plenty of money. So the fact that the touchpad didn't work after just less than two months, was that sufficient reason for them to just kill it? Um, You know, I, I can't comment on the costs or, you know, how they they make their decisions, I think clearly, you know, everyone was surprised by that. It doesn't, um, 
doesn't doesn't understand, uh, you know, what all the motivators are there. Um, I think if you look at it kind of objectively, what, you know, HP is kind of saying is that, um, you know, we don't want to be a client company. You know, they announced they could have killed the tablet in WebOS and not said anything about the personal systems group, and they lumped that piece in to the same announcement. And I think what that really says is under the new CEO, they're really thinking about how they can get away from the lower margin kind of client businesses and into higher margin infrastructure businesses. And to turn all that around, Gene, you know, it's much of the same of what we were just talking about with Motorola and Google and Microsoft and Nokia and Apple, which is if you're going to be successful selling a client, do you need to, how much of the supply chain do you need to control? Do you need to have your own retail stores? Do you need to create all the hardware? Do you need to create the software? Do you need to be like Apple and create and build the, the semiconductors that power these kind of things? What's the level of integration that's right in this new environment compared to what the level of integration was that was the way to go to business four or five years ago? Everyone is struggling with understanding that and figuring out how they can make money in today's environment. Of course, the other situation is here that Apple has had years to perfect this marketing scheme and this development scheme. So all these other companies have to try to figure out how to do it next week because Apple continues to gain momentum. Yeah, there may be more Android phones sold, but Apple makes more of the profits. They know where the profit centers are. And obviously with the iPad, nobody's coming close. Right. And I think, yes, you're absolutely right. There's a big challenge there for all the the hardware OEMs and the other operating systems OEMs. Um, I think some of that, though, is more, again, driven by forces that are probably outside of what, you know, people in the tech business would consider to be important, right? We're trying to create great products. It takes time to do those kind of things. You can't, you know, just turn on a dime and all of a sudden, you know, ship a new product, right? It, it takes some time to make those things happen. I think the market, whether it's the financial markets, whether it's the bloggers or the industry markets, um, I think we've lost some of our patience with uh, companies trying to build out opportunities. And, you know, the fact that HP was willing to kill the touchpad in six weeks kind of talks about the fact that um, there just isn't a lot of um, slack in people's expectations anymore and you know products are decided to be successful or not you know five minutes after they're released it's kind of like blockbuster movies to, to Steven, re, Steven. do that well there isn't any opportunity for you to go back out and fix the problems and come out with version 2.0 or version 3.0 we used to be able to give people an opportunity to say you know here's this product and we think it's pretty good but um, you know, at some point we have to release it. We know we haven't cleared every single bug or we haven't fixed every single thing and it's not perfect. And, you know, once we get it out there, then we're going to figure out what the next steps will be. Well, now you don't get any chance to figure out what the next steps will be. If you're not perfect right out of the gate, um, 
for the most part now it seems like you know you're doomed <laughs> the the minute you get out there when you get those kind of reviews that aren't as positive somebody out there likened the situation to a blockbuster movie so a movie has to open really big the first week because very few movies get a second week to catch on to get word of mouth if they don't really make it in the top two or something they're regarded as failure and if they don't meet the industry expectations whatever they might be based on the budget of the film promotional budget whatever they're failures it's now the same thing in the tech industry. Nobody has time. But Apple, of course, has always these long-range plans. Like, for example, the iPad had been under development for many years. And supposedly, according to Steve Jobs, the iPhone was a fork of the iPad development. It took that long, but they were able to get the iPhone out first and then came out with the iPad. Not a perfect product by any means. The first version lacked the camera. But it didn't make a difference because everybody wanted one. Everyone still wants one. So how can any other company, which is, I guess, the big question and the one that you can consider as we go to our final segment of the show, how can any other company figure a way to beat Apple at their own game or figure a different game to make some traction, make some success? Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Devon Think is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devon Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11, that's TNO11, for 15% off, all there at devontechnologies.com. That's devontechnologies.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. OpticsPlanet.com is where discerning gun owners and outdoorsmen go to gear up. 
Optics Planet has the best selection of rifle scopes, red dots, night vision, holsters, bags, and tactical gear on the planet. With always low prices, free shipping on most orders, and expert customer service. Go to OpticsPlanet.com GCN to get a free gift with purchase. That's OpticsPlanet.com GCN. Or call 800-332-OPTICS. 800-332-6784. Democrats, Republicans, have you had enough? Want real change? Then change yourself. Join a new political party formed to liberate the American people from the banksters who have overthrown the republic. If you agree with maximum liberty, limited government, and traditional morality, then you agree with American third position. Get more information now. Call 800-513-4928 or go to a3p.me. That's A, the number 3, P.me. It's time to take America back. Why is it so many people suffer from so many illnesses today? Why don't doctors know how to help you? Could it be that our doctors don't know how because there's a nutrition solution and they only know about drugs? Over 68 diseases are known to be connected to a deficiency of glutathione. The missing ingredient to increasing your body's production of glutathione is cysteine. Raising your glutathione production protects you from cancer, heart disease, Parkinson's, macular degeneration, lung disease, digestive diseases, diabetes, Alzheimer's, ALS, rheumatoid arthritis, and lupus. Nature's richest source of cysteine is unheated whey. Heating can damage much of the cysteine. One World Whey is the first undamaged whey protein powder on the market. Using One World Whey may support optimal glutathione production, unlike any other food or supplement you've ever taken. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl. Live with Gene Steinberg. We're back with Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live, and the question I posed at the end of our last segment, is there any way any of these other companies can get a leg up on Apple or even match them? As I said, Apple has a long-range view. A lot of other companies look at this quarter and the next. Yeah, um, you know, Apple certainly has a long-range view. It was helped by having a a CEO who had great long-range vision, and... um, you know, some protected markets where they could, you know, make enough money uh, to be successful and expectations that maybe weren't quite as high uh, certainly a few years ago as they, as expectations are for everybody today. Um, you know, while, you know, I certainly agree with the, the analogy you made about the movies, on the other hand, you know, the other part that Apple does get the advantage of has been first mover. And a lot of times people are a little bit more forgiving when you're the first mover as opposed to a fast follower. Let somebody else take a take the hit for being the first guy out of the out of the box and then we'll be a fast follower and fix and clean up after that. And now, you know, Apple has turned some of that on its ear and said, you know, we can make a lot of money by being 
the first out of the box. Yeah, but they're not the first out of the box. When it came to the iPod, there were music players out there. Apple was not the first out. With iPad, there were other tablets using the Windows OS. I would disagree with you. uh, The iPod was the first usable MP3 player. The, it took advantage of the fact that there was USB available. You know, if you ever tried to download a song over a parallel port, that really wasn't a very good product. The yeah, but Apple used MP3, Firewire. Apple used Firewire, which was first which was a thousand times faster sure. than that. It, they had a hard drive that could actually hold some songs versus the little bits of memory that you got in the initial MP3 players, which made them no better than CD players. You know, now, the okay, now the issue, okay, so I think what you're saying, what you're saying... The Windows tablet. So I think, you know, they've been the innovator. They've been the first to market with new products, and they've been able to change the paradigm away from being penalized for being the first guy out of the box to the one who's been rewarded for being the first guy out of the box. Well, maybe it is here is that Apple looked at what was wrong with the existing products and found a solution. They looked at what was wrong with smartphones, maybe the orientation where they weren't so consumer-friendly but worked well in the business world, so they made a consumer-friendly smartphone. With tablets, the same thing. Tablets took off in vertical markets, but tablets didn't reach the mainstream. Apple found a way to make it a mainstream product, and as you say, with the iPod having a faster way to download your stuff to your iPod using FireWire first and then USB, that also allowed them to get a leg up on the market. But again, it wasn't the first to market. It's the first, I guess, which made the particular market usable to consumers, consumer-friendly. Right. Well, I, you know, I suppose a whole bunch of that is probably semantics, but... You know, Apple. I, you know, I mean, if you take that to its nth degree, you would say Apple was a a mimicker and a tool. You know, and, and not an integrator, but somebody who, you know, tinkered with things and improved them incrementally to the point where they were usable. And I guess I would say that um, those other products were were not usable and weren't viable devices. And what Apple did was create a whole new category by creating viable devices from um, technology that was available. They don't create things that don't work right. And they wait for the technology to be available and priced right to be able to create those kind of products. And, um, you know, I think the problem with the rest of the tech business, and again, you know, taking all the way back to the to touchpad and all the other struggles of all the other tablet guys is they couldn't um, put those kind of things in their toolbox until somebody else went out there and kind of rethought the paradigm. They were stuck in an old paradigm that no one was really interested in, that wasn't really going anywhere. They didn't have the profits or the vision to invest in rethinking that, and Apple did. And when they do that, they recreate the market and start it up all over again. Okay, so looking at the tablet market that right now appears to be an iPad market, we have the failure for the BlackBerry Playbook. We have HP's problems. We have the Motorola Zoom that went nowhere. I guess the Samsung Galaxy tabs are selling some, but Apple has been getting scattered injunctions against Samsung for look and feel. But if you're the head 
of one of these other companies and you see, well, Apple's making tons of money on tablets. We want to get into that space. What do they do to make a success to beat Apple or at least become substantial competitors? Well, how do people compete with the iPad? Uh, you know, it's not an easy task. You know, to some extent, they're, they've captured so much of the market that maybe there isn't, you know, huge pieces of the market left for all these other guys. But I think there's a reasonable argument to be made from the non-iPad tablet camp that, you know, these products have been kind of rushed out into the market to get something out there that the distribution channels weren't ready, that the infrastructure wasn't ready, that, you know, version 1.0, as we've kind of said here, being fast followers wasn't a good good solution. And, you know, they still had problems that they had to work through, but it was more important to get things out there. And as some of the infrastructure improves, they get faster processors, a better operating system, uh, retailers understand how to merchandise and market tablets, where they belong in the store, how to price them. Um, you know, at that point, which, you know, we're probably looking at beginning or the middle of next year, then you might start to see version 2.0 or version 3.0 of the Zoom or the Playbook or the Galaxy Tab start to, you know, provide an incrementally um, competitive a usage model versus the iPad. Yeah, but at this point, Apple is way ahead. How did they catch up? They catch up. The, it's the turtle and the hare, right? They catch up by being slow and steady because at some point, just like the iPhone, right, um, Apple reaches a point where changes that they can make to the device uh, only incrementally improve it, whereas guys who are way behind are now able to make, you know, maybe significant changes that let them start to close the gap. The iPad market looked more like the iPod in terms of market share where, you know, even at the height of the, you know, MP3 player marketplace, Apple had, you know, 65 or 70 percent. And it just may be that that's where the market market settles. So how does Apple lose? This is the final question before we have to split for this episode. How does Apple lose? It's tough to to create any kind of a a scenario where you would see Apple losing. You know, you can't have, but on the other hand, you can't have 90% market share forever. Well, that, that sure. just doesn't work, right? Except for the, Microsoft the with Windows. Let you do that. <laughs> Microsoft managed with Windows, but then uh, you know. yes, up to a point, and now they don't have ninety percent market share. And it depends on how you define what the market share is. But um, you know, it's certainly in hardware. At some point, uh, other people's devices take off. There's people who want to use different. Um, products, that there's different services, uh, maybe there's people who don't like you, there's plenty of people who don't like Apple and want an alternative, um, but I, you know, I guess it depends on how you define losing. If you define losing as going from 90% market share to 65% market share, but the market increasing by 3x, I don't see that as being losing. <laughs> That's not a loss to me. You it's not a loss to Apple. Market share. Sure. Just want to tell our listeners you can find more of the things we do at technighthow.com, technighthow.com. Technighthow, by the way, is also our name on Twitter, technighthow at Twitter. We also have another show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. 
It's the Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. A special thanks to Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. Thanks for being a part of this week's episode of the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for watching. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.